Hi and welcome. You are listening to the Pursuit of Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Daria Tiesler, health educator, ex-professional athlete, personalized and lifestyle medicine advocate, registered nutritional therapist, personal trainer, performance coach, and a founder of Daria Tiesler Wellness. We are podcasting from London. Hi to all Londoners that decided to join me again and to all new listeners. Your search for wellness is just about to begin. Each time you set your frequencies onto pursuit of wellness, you are going to discover something new about yourself, your health, your body, your mind and your soul. In this podcast, we talk about how some kids are fussy eaters and how can you as a parent help them to build a healthier relationship with food. Five, four, three, two, one, let's go. I would like to welcome my guest on this podcast, Kate Garden. I met Kate in 2015 at the Functional Medicine Conference in London. And on her website, she says, I help you to feel better naturally. Kate is Institute Functional Medicine Certified Nutritionist with 20 years of clinical experience in UK and uses the integrative care model in her practice. Kate also went to university in London to study for a degree in psychology. Hi, Kate, and welcome to Pursuit of Wellness podcast. Hi, Daria. Thank you so much for having me on this. It's uh, a real pleasure to be here. Welcome, welcome. And I, I believe it's going to be amazing conversation. And uh, another reason why I wanted this con- conversation to happen is because I work with so many mothers and I know how always they say oh my kid cannot do this my kid is not eating and I know that how this is underlining cause of their own struggle with uh, their own uh, 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 health in terms of stress for example right so it's extra trigger to what's happening with them so it's uh, I think it's going to be great conversation Kate how did you start your journey in functional medicine and nutrition well, it's um, it's been a long time. My career has spanned over about 20 years. Um, and I first trained at the Institute of Optimum Nutrition. I qualified back in 2003. So that's nearly 20 years ago. Um, it's been a long journey. And as you know, I recently trained in functional medicine. Uh, started that journey about five years ago. Um, And that really just kind of cemented things for me. I think it was really important for me just to kind of add on to my current training. Um, And I wanted a more medical approach. I wanted to work more with doctors. Um, And I felt that I'd had three children myself and I felt um, I needed just to augment my training a little bit. So that's why I went to do that. But um, it's been a wonderful journey. And I've lived and breathed nutrition for, you know, most of my adult life. Um, When I started, there was no wellness industry. There was, um, you know, it was almost weird to be a nutritionist. Um, People used to kind of look at me strangely when I said, maybe you shouldn't be eating that kind of thing. Um, I think uh, the wellness industry has just massively exploded, as you know, in the last kind of five to seven years, but it didn't used to be like this. And when, when I first trained, it was, it was a very different, um, picture, you know, there were, there weren't, there wasn't health food shops like we know them today, no planet organic, um, no whole foods. There were just little, uh, whole, little health food shops on street corners that smell a bit strange sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a really great, uh, experience and I I totally love what I do. Right. Uh, This is a beautiful story. And I also know that you uh, have been, um, you have psychology degree in psychology or how does it work? Yeah. So, um, yeah, my first degree was in psychology. I did that um, here in London. Um, And after, after doing that, I didn't really know what to do. So I worked in the music industry for a short while. Um, And my psychology has actually really helped um, help me with dealing with people because so much of what we eat and what we do is about the psychology um, of eating and behavior. And I think it's really helped to understand um, the psychology. 
Um, yeah, it certainly helped me in my career. In fact, I use that an awful lot. That was uh, the reason also I picked you for the today's uh, okay. podcast because you said you have three kids, you talk a lot about the psychology of behavior and you talk in how uh, food and psychology are connected, right? And how the choices we make about food are often linked to our mm-hmm. decisions, right? And what our psychology tells us to do. Absolutely. And, and you know, so much of what we do is about the psychology. Um, it's not all about the psychology. I think, um, you know, a lot of decision-making is about how we think, sure, but a lot of um, the issues with food can be biological-driven. Mm. So, you know, I think it's really useful having, um, you know, the nutrition side and the psychology side. So, yeah, it's right. really it's really helped me. We are in wellness podcast. What wellness means to you? Wow, it's a big question. Um I think wellness to me is a really positive state of vibrancy, um, of energy and clear thinking. Um, when I'm well, I make the right decisions and I um, I'm motivated in a really positive way. So I think wellness to me is not necessarily the absence of disease or the absence of feeling ill, but it's, it's more about, um, you know, positively striving to be the best version of myself and making making good decisions right and yeah. uh, I know that in your practice you mm-hmm. work with kids right Absolutely. Why, why kids why this decision I don't know they all flock to me um it's I think it's probably because I'm a mum so I've got first-hand experience I've got um three children uh 13 11 and um seven gosh And um, I think, you know, I've gone on a journey with them myself as a parent. And, you know, you might know all the psychology, you might know all the nutrition, but practically speaking, to be a parent and to experience um, issues with your kids, because, you know, we all have issues with our kids. Um, you know, it, it, I think it, I think that's really helped. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but also a lot of my uh, clients have got children. So they, they might have come to see me years ago and then they have a child and they have an eating issue and then they come and bring the child to see me, that kind of thing. So did Path found you? Sorry? Did Path found you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Seems yeah. like, right? Uh, yeah. So I do see quite a lot of children. I mean... I've got a I've got a clinic in Bath um, where I employ a couple of other nutritional therapists and a health coach, and I'm the only one that sees the children because I think a lot of uh, practitioners almost get a bit scared of looking at children and oh can I do this? But actually, I love working with children because you know you can really um, change someone's life and you can change a child's life by just correcting really simple things, focusing on their gut health, you know, changing their nutrition. Uh, sorting out nutrient deficiencies, you know, calming inflammation. You know, basic things have a really um, positive effect on kids and they can just jump back really, really quickly. Right. And those changes that you uh, often do mm-hmm. also are related to the the healthy nutrition, right? So what mm. are the, like, a three, three, three tips or three best um, best nutrition advices that you could give to parents how to create a healthy and balanced menu or snack box or okay so um, it could be yes. more it could be more yeah i think yeah to keep it simple and i think simplicity is really key when you're talking about kids nutrition because we're all really busy you know we've all got lots of things to do and i think kids nutrition can just be an extra hassle sometimes so by keeping it really simple and planning it and prioritizing it um you can really get the best from um the best outcome the best right? outcome exactly yes. yeah so i think my three top tips i mean probably would be um to eat a whole food diet let's start at the let's start at the beginning and by that i mean kind of eating unprocessed food okay so we all know that kids diets are you know, full of ultra processed food, you know, there's marketing to kids and every, everywhere they go, they're picking up crisps and snacks and cakes. And I read one of my main messages to parents is just try and get your children to eat unprocessed food. And by that, I mean, healthy fruits, vegetables, meats, fish, um, you know, things that are, um, devoid of, um, 
nasty fats, hydrogenated fats and emulsifiers, because all these kind of extra things that are added to processed food, they, you know, they cause issues that we, you know, we're seeing in clinic all the time. Uh, for example, emulsifiers, you know, um, and these are things that are added to food. Um, so, for example, in an ice cream, you've got um, water, sugar and oil. And to bind it together, you need an emulsifier. And I'm talking about chemical emulsifiers here. And these chemical emulsifiers are really damaging to children's guts, you know, and they can cause behavioral issues, et cetera, et cetera. So w when I talk about um, eating a whole food diet, I'm thinking about things that are naturally in our environment, you know, think unprocessed foods, things that don't have uh, hydrogenated fats, emulsifiers, extra sugars added to them, because these have been studied to, you know, cause issues in children, behavioral issues, tummy issues, and all sorts of asthma, eczema, atopic kind of allergies. So um, eating a whole food diet also provides the body with um, the essential vitamins and minerals that are needed for your body to work really well. Um, so that is one of, you know, that is probably the number one, eating a whole food diet. Also, the whole food diet will contain more fiber, which we'll probably talk about later in relation to gut health, but that's a really key player as well. Um, the second point would probably be to balance your children's blood sugar. And by that, I mean, you know, we have to eat uh, fats, carbohydrates and proteins. But what we tend to eat generally, and a lot of children do, is um, a lot of sugary foods. And sugars in the form of carbohydrates, um, these are the, the, the brown carbohydrates, the cakes, the, the bread, the sticky stuff, uh, the cereals, um, these are digested really quickly and these give your child a really big hike in their blood sugar levels. And this is not good for a lot of different reasons. Um, so what we need to try and do is balance our children's blood sugar by if we're going to eat those foods, we put some protein or we put some fat with it. Ideally, we wouldn't, but sometimes it's necessary. So, you know, if if you're having a packet of crisps, yeah, you need to have some protein with that. Okay, to balance your blood sugar. Ideally, you wouldn't. Yes. Um, but what I'm saying is you really need to, you know, add the protein um, and the fat to keep those blood sugar levels kind of smooth because we don't want those peaks and troughs. And I think that a lot of uh, behavioral issues in children and um, a lot of hyperactivity and uh, mood issues and concentration issues are due to imbalanced blood sugar levels. So just keeping that blood sugar stable, having three decent meals a day, two protein-based snacks if possible, and just making sure that they're not having lots of uh, sugary drinks in the meantime that are going to spike the blood sugar too. So we've got eating a whole food diet, we've got um, balancing blood sugar, and probably the third one, I mean, there's so many I could link to, but I think probably the other one is to ensure that you're having essential fats in the diet. And I think children generally are not eating enough essential fats. And this is borne out in a lot of problems that we're seeing in clinic with behavioral issues um, and so on. Um, so, you know, your brain is 60% fat. Fat is an essential component of your diet. We tend to be fat phobic and, and we mustn't be really. We need to um, have those and what I'm talking about are essential fats, and these are the omega-3 fatty acids, and these are really important. These can't be made by the body. They have to be provided by the body. So we're talking things like oily fish, nuts and seeds, um, and avocados and, you know, oils and things like that. And the children are really deficient generally in omega-3, especially when we test them. So I'd say that, um, you know, they're so crucial for memory and learning. And, you know, that's probably what we'll come on to later when we when we think about a supplement. But I think to ensure um, essential fats are in the diet and really aim to get those into the diet um, is really key. Kate, you touched lots of great stuff here. I think mm -hmm. explaining what are complex carbohydrates was 
very important, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that is processed. I think now we know uh, what is uh, omega-3 that is essential and where parents can find this. And um, my question would be, we talked, uh, you mentioned a little bit about child growth development in regards to the uh, omega omega-3 fatty acids, right? But what role uh, sleep has for kids' development, right? How is important? Oh, sleep. Sleep is uh, is so essential, absolutely. It, it, it directly impacts um, mental development, physical development. You know, we didn't really know very much about sleep until relatively recently. And I think the literature has just exploded. The medical literature, the scientific literature has exploded recently in this area of sleep because we kind of just used to go to bed and wake up and not really know about the important biological processes that were happening whilst we slept. Um, And what's really important um, uh, for children particularly is um, the fact that growth hormone is primarily secreted during sleep. Um, So that's why we spend so much time sleeping as babies. Um, That's why so many babies, well, they should be, they should be sleeping. Um, And I think Italian researchers looked at children who were deficient in levels of growth hormone and they found that their sleep, they slept less on average per night. So it's a really, it's really important for growth. Um, It's really important for the function of the brain. Uh, It's important for processing um, and forming new pathways. This is what happens whilst we're sleeping. Uh, We're laying down new memories. Um, it's, it's, It's important, so many levels, goodness. Um, it's important for the restoration of, you know, our systems, our immune system, our nervous system, our skeletal and muscular uh, system. And these systems help to maintain mood, memory and cognitive function. So, you know, we, it, having a decent sleep hygiene um, plan for your child is just so key. And we see in clinic that, you know, we can get the diet right and we can get all sorts of other things right and if a child is not sleeping they are going to have problems they're going to have problems neurologically and they're possibly going to have problems physically so it's really really key um and i think um you know i think preschoolers um age which we, i won't talk about baby sleep but preschoolers age uh, three to five they need about 11 to 13 hours a night and older children um, need about nine to eleven hours of sleep a night. It is a lot. They it's have a to lot. Sleep, right? They have to sleep. And you mentioned yeah. also uh, blood sugar regulations. How is that important? And there is definitely link between sleep, blood sugar regulation, and then what kid is going to eat the next Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Right? And I think ensuring that the child has a really good dinner with that's not too highly processed, not too much sugar. Um, and has good amounts of fat and carbohydrate, complex carbohydrate and protein is really key. And that helps to facilitate good sleep. Yeah, you're right. Um, And I find that just having a really good bedtime routine for children is really key. Um, Sometimes children uh, are scared of sleep. They're scared of the dark, you know, so it's about making sure that they're in an environment that they feel safe, a very very familiar environment. some children that struggle with sleep might need a little bit of help in the t- you know I, I only give supplements when they when they're indicated and necessary but sometimes they might be deficient in a mag- uh, in a mineral called magnesium which is really key and it, it helps to relax children um so sometimes a, a magnesium drink before they sleep might help often having a warm bath really helps because that when you get out of the bath your core body temperature uh reduces and that's when you start to feel sleepy so that's important um having a hot drink is sometimes a really nice nice thing to do as well it's like warming and making warming. you feel better and safe right yeah absolutely and again i think it cools the body um it has a kind of converse effect so um yeah that really helps so sleep is absolutely critical for for everything from the brain the body um, children's attention span yeah I think it's really undervalued and, and, and you know we tend to think a lot about exercise and diet and not enough about sleep and really uh, facilitating good quality sleep 
Yeah. yeah I, I love you know uh, the way we start we started the conversation because we started from um whole food and wh- where I'm going with this we're now talking about let's say magnesium but then how processed food is pulling the healthy good minerals it's very important it's just true and reality right so if we are able to improve kids diet and give them whole food instead of processed one we already going to also improve the blood sugar regulation the sleep right so those things overlapping there is nothing what is first or what is second right they interconnected it totally it all has a knock on effect and that's what i find you know just starting with one thing you know if we start with the diet and we get the right nutrition in it has a knock on effect as you say for sleep for energy for you know everything so i think um you know children also bounce as i said this before they they uh, they come in with lots of issues but if you start doing things even small things daily because sometimes you know it's only the little things that really really help and you start to do this and you start to see the benefits yeah right what uh, what do you observe <coughs> kate uh, in regards um little bit i think you also said uh, marketing industry in regards uh, what is natural what is healthy right mm. because um i i this is my my clinical experience i had someone recently i said you know let's cut the sugar right and then i'm asking can you please send me photos what yeah. the kid is eating right and there is a say daria there is like a choco something choco choco flakes or something like that and i'm like okay send me the back label yeah right and then the back label is like kind of <clears throat> loaded sugar but on the front says mm. natural healthy no this no that so i think those claims yeah are big problem because parents don't know and they are trusting and i think by this uh, audition today i would like to educate and make parents aware right to reading mm. i think there is so much confusion daria Right. So much confusion and I think the marketing industry is is shocking really because I think people pick up something it says healthy it's got pictures of fruit on and you know we're all in a rush and we pick it up and we think this is this is great. But actually what we need to be doing I think is educating parents and educating children as well to make informed choices in schools and what have you and by information evenings or whatever because we cannot trust industry to give us the best advice. Um they are there to sell products that are cheap. They don't care about our health. Um you know that's something that we've got to do and we really need more education um around this area. So I think <laughs> in simple terms if it's in a packet um you're going to struggle with it being completely healthy. Um as I said before, you know, extra things go into packaged food to increase their shelf life, emulsifiers and hydrogenated fats and all sorts of things we really don't need in the body and actually uh, stop the the body uh, performing its um tasks effectively. For example, you know, if you have hydrogenated fats stop the body's ability to utilize um omega-3 fatty acids properly so you're not actually metabolizing omega-3s properly if you've got hydrogenated fats in the diet so you've got to be really careful they change the the properties of your um cellular structure and your membranes so you know communication pathways get disrupted and it, you know these kind of um um foods that the these packaged foods have just so many uh, detrimental effects to children's health some of which we don't even know you know and we're finding these children with autoimmunity and uh, all these complex issues and you know a lot of it is down to processed food unfortunately so i agree with you yeah. 100% and i always would advise you know just uh, skip the shelves with uh, packaged packaged food and mm-hmm. just go to the whole food right there are huge sections right yeah, and just absolutely. follow by colors by rainbow right and one of our thing is you know how can we help kids to eat rainbow because i often hear that kids do not like vegetable is there any reason for that Well, yeah, I love I love the rainbow analogy and it's something that um when I go into schools and teach children about nutrition, I always get the rainbow chart out and they love it because it's easy for children to understand um when you talk about the rainbow, you know, and each different color of the rainbow has different um 
properties. Um, so we're getting phytonutrients, we're getting uh, antioxidants, we're getting vitamins and minerals in every single color. And children really like that analogy. So it really helps them to, to understand what they need, you know, because we need lots of different colors in our diet for health. Um, and, that, and that's a really key point. So for, you know, for example, red, we need red peppers and you can think of all the red foods, the lovely red foods, and these help to fight cancer. And, you know, we've got lycopene in tomatoes and things like that. That's, you know, when, when you explain to children why they need these colors, they engage and they're like, wow, does that really, does that really do that for me? You know, I see, I see that when I talk to them. Um, so yeah, we go through the rainbow, we go through red and orange and green foods, you know, green foods are so important for the immune system and to detoxify the body and for energy. Um, and sometimes I get out this big basket of different colored foods and get them to talk about it and get them to touch it. Um, and I think, you know, that's really key, you know, having a, a good analogy. I mean, I, I have on my um, wall in my kitchen a, a rainbow chart. And my seven-year-old, my boys were not really interested in this anymore, but my seven-year-old likes to tick off, oh, I've had berries for breakfast, so I've had my, my uh, purple quota for the day you know I've had bananas I've had my yellow and she likes to see you know I, I don't often encourage that but I think she like that's her way of you know ticking the boxes um and I think you mentioned something about picky eaters then in the question once that, again once again did you ask something about picky eaters in the question yes then? that yeah. was one one of the questions right was why kids are, are fussy about uh, food but also why do you think they are struggling with eating, eating vegetables Right. Because they are struggling to eat rainbow. That's what I often hear from parents. Yeah. Right? I said, can you give some uh, vegetables like, oh, yeah, they only eat in carrot. Yeah. Right. And I can carrot. Well, is I, main. I think I think some some vegetables have got strong tastes and some of them are quite bland as well. And I think it's how we how we cook them is really key. Um, I think I mean, there's two there's two angles really to how to tackle fussy eating. And first is the psychology of it. You know, picky eaters are more likely to develop um, um, when they are when they feel some sort of negative emotion around food. You know, if they're punished or bribed or rewarded, they start to think of food in a different commodity than just nutrition. So I think we've got to be very careful with our um, the words we use around children and food. And I think we've got to encourage lightly and not you know and, and not not force them in any way and not bribe them I mean I think that there's a lot of bribing that goes on if you if, if you do that you do that well and I'll give you a sweet I don't think that's really helpful um I think it's important to to encourage children to make their own choices you know um so that they know what they're doing and they're choosing foods you know if you want a child to have um, a vegetable you know give them a choice of three if you can you know um, if you just say have these carrots or have this broccoli they, they don't they don't they're not part of the the process they're not part of the decision making process so I think giving children the choice if you can um, you know and vegetables can are cheap foods they're not processed foods we can especially in season vegetables um, and you can get vegetables in tins as well so that you know there's lots of cheap choices for children in terms of vegetables I think I think we have to role model what we want our children to do okay so if we're going about I'm um, smiling here because <laughs> I love what you say right we want our kids to eat better yeah so but how how they are just modeling us absolutely right so if we don't change our habits please don't accept kids to do it to do the other way exactly children look at everything we do, everything we say. And they are just little sponges. They are picking up on absolutely everything that we do. And food is no exception. So, and I think, especially with my daughter, I'm very careful about, you know, how I talk about food to her because I don't want to set up any issues in the future. Um, I, I don't want to be responsible for those. Um, so I, I feel that the messaging that we give children in early life is really key. You know, not talking about going on a diet and if we're losing weight and all this kind of thing. Um, it's tricky, but we've got to be just mindful of it. 
Um, I think um, with with children, yeah, we have we have to just set the best example. And if we want them to eat a healthy breakfast, we got to create the conditions for them to have that healthy breakfast. So sit down at the table, take ten minutes to have breakfast. Eat with your children, talk to them, make it a pleasurable experience so that they actually enjoy the process of breakfast. And it's not just this rushed, um, crazy 10 minutes, um, you know, before they rush out to school. It's not often easy to do that, but it's about where your priorities, you know, lie. And if you really want your children to have these healthy habits, you've got to encourage them and, and provide the right right space for that to happen. We talk here a lot about uh, positive psychology already. Mm -hmm. We even did not get it, get down to our question about mm. positive psychology, right? But yeah. we already talking, and I love it. Uh, I already wanted to say a few moments ago that uh, the way you talk about that is about encouragement kids to be uh, participant of their own actions, yeah. of their own behavior, and make them um, have a choice. Absolutely. Right? Because we grow in a little human That little human after we become adult and if they are feeling suppressed from that early stage, they're going, they might have some suppression happening uh, later on in life, right? That's why I think it's so valuable what you are saying, right? Positive psychology, behaviors and... I think, I think the anxiety around food, yeah comes from us a lot of the time so we just we we need to yeah encourage that it's so it's so important yeah I right agree. and one one thing more okay i also i i pick my thumb up here no one can see this mm. but i did when you mentioned that you're very aware and mindful how you talk about food uh around your daughter mm. right and that is another thing i uh, observe in my clinic when a, a female comes and i see the mm. uh, issues around food emotional mm. eating your your dieting mm. coming mm. off and on uh, on diets i always ask what was your relationship mm -hmm. with your mother but also what your mother which uh, relationship your mother had mm. with food right and i think again how we are Mm, it's a lot of pressure assuming. for us as, it, as it parents. It is, right? But it I is. think it was very worth to mention because yeah, so absolutely. many women go on the diets and they having kids and, you know, kids actually observing that and it's, they're thinking that's normal. Yeah, absolutely. And what you were saying before about um, getting children involved, you know, food prep, getting them cooking, even if Amazing. it's just shopping, you know, If they feel that they're involved with the process, they are more likely to eat their vegetables, you know. I think um, I try and encourage my children to get ex excited about spices because that sometimes gives them vegetables a really nice flavor where they can be a bit bland and, oh, I don't want to eat this. You know, if you put a nice uh, spice and then you're getting the phytonutrients from that spice as well, um, you're optimizing the nutrition, but you're also giving it a bit of flavor and a bit of excitement. So I think that's really important. I mean, I like to take my children shopping. I like them, especially when they were younger, I like to get them to actually feel the fruits and the vegetables. And, you know, do you want to try this one? Do you want to, you know, what do you think about this one? Do you fancy this one? So, the, so they're just, they're getting engaged at a young age to, to, to notice real food, you know, and they're not just blinded by the... Uh, the cereal aisle which yeah. is you know i try and avoid that if possible yeah real food whole food uh, there are different ways we could talk about that but uh, yeah i think i do explained very well what uh, what do we mean right so i think we've talked about um the psychology of fussy eating but i think there's an there's a few other points about the biology of fussy eating as well and i think um you know if a child has had early feeding difficulties for example or cleft palate or um they struggled with food um, that can kind of set the stage for issues with fussy eating um, possibly uh, the late introduction of uh, lumpy foods you know children need to kind of start to learn to masticate and eat lumpy foods from about um, when they learn to wean mm -hmm. and I think there, there has been a tendency in the past to just give children uh, pureed food and I think because <clears throat> it's it's easier sometimes isn't it yes um, it is because <laughs> <laughs> I do that but I, I try found I found that if they have a late introduction to these uh, lumpy foods 
Uh, sometimes they can have eating issues as well. So that's that's one um, key point. Um, also not being hungry. I mean, a lot of children graze throughout the day. So you, they tend to find that they can be fussy at mealtimes because they're not actually hungry. And sometimes letting your child get really hungry and, oh, when's dinner ready? You know, it's it's annoying, but it's important to um, for them to have those proper hunger cues, you know, because our hormonal... Um, our hunger cues are regulated by hormones leptin and ghrelin and it's important that we don't mess with them by constantly um feeding children you know and giving them lots and lots of snacks you know so i think it's a habit forming thing the other thing is i find in clinic a lot that children that come into clinic that have stomach issues um or uh, that you know they're, they're always complaining of a sore tummy they tend to be the fussy eaters um, and it's really about diving deep into what, you know, what the issue is. Is it a food intolerance? Is it a food insensitivity? Is, is a child fussy because actually they're sensitive um, to, to these foods? Is a child fussy because um, they've got bacteria issues in their tummy? They've got gut infections, yeast issues, dysbiosis, you know, imbalance of gut bacteria or or particular parasites you know this is when stool testing comes into its own and that's what I do in clinic um you know children that have sore tummies or they've got inflammatory bowel disease are do tend to be more fussy eaters so um the other thing is um mineral deficiencies if a child is uh, low in zinc or has a zinc deficiency they tend to be a fussy eater so just by correcting that mineral imbalance um, can really open them up to new tastes and um, uh, you know a, a better sensory experience with food so that's one thing I always test in clinic right so you would uh, actually suggest uh, for parents to, uh, to go to clinician and that they have this assessment and then they see if for example there is a deficiency of zinc and then you would give a zinc as a supplement or you're looking at the zinc in food I always go food first with children, always go food first. Um, sometimes it's necessary to give a child a supplement, but usually that's for a short time to correct an imbalance. So, for example, I might see an anemic child and we might need to give them um, an iron supplement um, or, or, you know, possibly a, a zinc supplement, but Usually we always go with food first. And what's important with uh, mineral deficiencies is to check that the child is actually absorbing the food, the the uh, nutrients, because you can take a supplement and not absorb it and not get any benefit from it. So we just need to look at, you know, other things like stomach acid and check that their, their minerals are being absorbed properly because they've got sufficient stomach acid to because that's where minerals are absorbed in the stomach. Right. We talk here, uh, you already touched uh, a topic of uh, gut uh, in the health of our children. Uh, what What is the role? of gut of digestive system in health of our children. Wow, so that's a really we could probably talk about this for quite a while <laughs> yeah, but I'll try and condense it. Um the gut. Uh the gut is a really key organ in our children's health and you know over the last 15 years or so medical and scientific literature has just exploded in this area as I'm sure you're aware. Um uh, so the gut has multiple functions. Um And it has structural and um, mechanical uh, functions. So primarily we digest and absorb our food um, in the gastrointestinal system. Uh, it, it excretes waste. Um, you know, 70% of our immune system is located in the gut and around the gut. So it's a huge um, area for immune regulation. Um, and probably one of the most important things is the fact that it houses our trillions of bacteria that we know um, that otherwise known really as our microbiome. Um, so it's our microbiome. It's almost like a separate organ. We, we've coming... We like that. It's separate just, organ. I haven't thought about that that way, I think. It, but it almost is. And the amount of uh, science that is coming out about how... We are more microbial than we are human, and and how uh, how the gut influences so many chronic diseases. It's it's just really phenomenal. 
Um, and, you know, the, the gut bacteria in its own right helps to digest our food. It regulates immunity. Um, it programs the immune system, protects against other bacteria. It manufactures vitamins like B12 and B1 and B2, I think, vitamin K. I mean, there's a huge link between the nervous system and the gut. And I often find in clinic that uh, anxious children need a lot of gut work um, because various neurotransmitters and chemical messengers are produced in the gut. I think um, 70 to 90% of our serotonin is produced in our gut, our happy hormone. Um, but not just that, you know, Lactobacillus species, which is a bacteria, bacteria produces um, something called acetylcholine. Um, and that's really important for laying down new memories. So, you know, if you've got a particularly forgetful child, um, you know, you might need to work on gut function. Um, also, Lactobacillus produces um, GABA, which is our kind of calming neurotransmitter. Again, an anxious child, we need to kind of work on on those areas. Um, so, yeah, the gut is really key and it's almost, it's, it's the place I start really. I mean, I think when I have a child in clinic, we're, we're looking at the overall diet, but I'm particularly looking at their body systems and how they're all interacting with one another, where the glitches are. And often children come in and they've got multiple gut infections or they've been on antibiotics. Um, in early life and they just haven't got the right bacteria in their guts so they're going to have an issue with their immune system they're going to have other issues you know um so i think yeah so there would be like huge connection of uh, of this what you just said between gut kids immunity uh, how they behave in, how they grow in, how they are developing, right? And uh, that is not just woo-woo-wah-wah. That is real science right now. Absolutely. I mean, it's um, the problem is that our modern diets um, and our ultra-processed diets that are devoid of all the things we need to grow the bacteria, you know, and too much sugar, um, not enough fiber and it's really the fiber in our diet that is so key because that feeds the good bacteria um, and gut bugs in our microbiome feed off the fiber and the gut bacteria eats the fermented fiber fiber in our um, GI tract and it produces something called um, short-chain fatty acids and these particular chemicals um, are just they have a host of benefits um, and they lower kind of inflammation in the body and inflammation is a key driver of lots of chronic diseases and I think it's really key in children to make sure that their inflammatory load is low because we've seen studies that if they have high inflammation in children I think there's a study that looked at nine-year-olds that they are at higher risk for depression and anxiety as adults. So it's really an important time childhood to really sort out the gut bacteria, you know, keep, get a check on inf inflammation and make sure that, you know, they have a robust gut because, it, you know, it affects so many different things. Um, I talked about butyrate and butyrate is um, a short-chain fatty acid and it's really important for feeding the, um, the colon cells. And it's a, it's a main energy source for our colon cells, our colonocytes. And um, most cells use sugar as a main fuel source, but colon cells use something called butyrate. And this is produced from the fiber in our diet, which is why we really need to keep pushing for the fruit and the vegetables and, vegetables. and you know, make sure that they have whole grains as well. I think it's important for children to have whole grains. I think there's been a move away from whole grains recently with people going gluten-free and grain-free and all sorts of, but I think, uh, you know, whole grains can be a really healthy Lots of vitamin Bs, right? On Absolutely. The whole grains, magnesium, uh, zinc, all what we're talking about. Yeah, and I think, you know, making sure that they have enough fiber is, it's important for a lot of reasons, moving waste through the, um, the, the GI tract, but really to feed our gut bacteria. That's really key. And a happy gut essentially is a happy child. So, you know, that's what we're aiming for in all this. We're aiming for balanced, happy children. And, you know, as parents, we've got a huge job really to, we can 
do so many things with our kids to protect them and give them the right emotional stability. But really, the nutrition is really key because that's something that we need to give them every day, consistently, the right messages, but the right raw materials. Because let's face it, nutrition builds brains, it builds bodies, it creates neurotransmitters, it creates hormones. Every single thing in your body is from nutrition. So getting it right early on you know, it really helps um, help children to have a good relationship with food, but also helps to build them, you know. And it helping, uh, it's helping to being, build a, a healthy society. Absolutely. Right, because our kids one day are going to grow. They're going to be adults. So if we have happy kids, we're going to have a happy so. society. It's all about the nutrition. Right. Right. I, I agree with you, right? Uh, we often forgetting about uh, cofactors, coenzymes, and everything that is moving our biochemistry and actually m- minerals and um, micronutrients and phytonutrients, they are moving our systems. So important. Absolutely. And I think our soils have become so depleted. You know, our food quality, even the fruit and vegetables that we've got in the supermarket, they are not as nutrient dense as they used to be. So orange is not p- orange anymore, no. right? There's not so enough vitamin C. So we've got to pay C. even more attention to, you know, how to get those nutrients in and making sure that, you know, children aren't eating in a stressful environment as well, because that's going to limit their ability to absorb some of these nutrients. Right. Uh, Kate, one, we talk about uh, mm. supplements a bit, you know, there was zinc, was omega-3, magnesium, a very important one. But there is a one supplement that you could recommend for a kid. Uh, and if it is one, which one uh, would it be and why? Okay, well, I think it would probably have to be the omega-3 fatty acids because that's where the most research has been on in terms of... Um, I mean, it's very individualized. You know, when I see a child in clinic, it might not be uh, an omega-3 fat they need. It might be a probiotic they need, or it might be some digestive support. It might be zinc or it might be iron or something else. But I think generically, um, if we're talking about general nutrition, probably we are so devoid of essential fats in our diet. We, we prob- I'd probably go for an omega-3 fatty acid. And that's, uh, as we touched up, upon before is going to help sleep quality and possibly reduce the um, inflammatory load of the body. So children that come in with eczema, asthma, we often find that they're they're really low in essential fats. And by just correcting that imbalance has systemic effects on their on their health. And it's because it's, it is essential fatty acids, uh, our body cannot produce it. Absolutely. Therefore, we need exactly uh, coming it, from uh, it, outside. It really does need to and, come from uh, the diet. There are we, some mm-hmm, continues. Yes, yeah, so fats are just so important on, you know, every level, but particularly for the for the structure of all your cells. Uh, every uh, every um, membrane of every cell is a fatty membrane so just making sure that we're we're getting the right fats into the diet has huge implications for cell signaling and um, needed for the structure and nerves of the, of the brain cells yeah what i uh, love kate what you just said right is about the function of the cell and that's what we always looking at Absolutely. right the function of the cell because at the end of the day if cell works well the rest of the tissues, systems, organ, they're going to function. Yes. And that's what we, we're trying to improve, right? Exactly. We're, we're trying to improve the signaling between the cells. And essential fatty acids have a really important job with that. They transport substances in and out of cells. They transport information in and out of cells. And they actually regulate your gene activity, either upregulating your genes or down-regulating them. So, you know, they have a huge, huge job um, and we probably don't give them enough credit. Um, And fats also provide a source of energy um, and they're a source of other nutrients as well, like vitamin A, D, um, E and K. So, yeah, I would probably, that would be my one recommendation. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree with you. Mm. And, you know, once the whole foods is in in place, it's much easier, easier to get the other... Uh, the other nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we are in winter, mm-hmm. and I know that many kids uh, are getting this seasonal colds and flus. And 
I do personally think that it's not a bad thing because our immune system is getting chance to work, mm-hmm. right? But I think maybe sometimes it's uh, too many colds and flus all day. It's like three weeks, little break, and then child gets again a uh, flu. Um, there are any tips from Kate how to strengthen immune system? Well, it goes back to everything that we've been talking about today, Daria. Everything, I, really, to strengthen the immune system, you need to start with the food and you need to work with the gut because our immune system is located in our gut, you know, and that's really where we have the leverage. Um, so everything we've talked about before and, you know, getting the kefir in, getting the probiotic foods in and the prebiotic foods in, um, you could probably... Um, give your child a supplement if you wanted to, but I really prefer to go with whole foods. The other thing, over winter, we tend to be low in this country in vitamin D, and that's a really key player for children's immunity. Um, I think the government recommend uh, children between one and four should be given a a daily supplement of about 10 milligrams um, of vitamin D. Um, And for vitamin D to uh, work properly, you need calcium and uh, magnesium so it's all it's all, all comes again in a whole food right vitamin absolutely D, not as such we so get well, in most, well most vitamin d is really made by uh, the action of cholesterol on the skin um so you really get it from sunlight um but you can get a little bit in oily fish um and it's you know it's needed to keep bones and teeth and and skin healthy so it, it's a really key player so I'm always saying to to parents, be mindful of the sun in summer. Don't automatically put sun cream on because you really need your children to activate vitamin D on their skin um, because vitamin D is a really important immune um, supplement or nutrient. Kate, how can we hear about you? How can we find you? Well, my clinic is based in Bath um, and I'm the only one that does children there. Um, and I've also got a London clinic as well that I come to uh, fortnightly, sometimes weekly. So you can... Um, Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram, yes, kate.garden. And I'm also, I also have a website too. Perfect. Kate, thank you for joining me and I hope we can talk again in the future. Thanks for listening to Daria Tiesler, Pursuit of Wellness podcast. If you want to know more, check out my website, www.dariatiesler.com. Join us next time when we talk about uh, a detoxification and why you might need one and what are some misconceptions about detox. Thank you and see you soon. This podcast intends to optimize your health and well-being and does not substitute medical advice. This podcast does not intend to sell and I do not get any profits from sales.